You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 290 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves. We've got the typical crew, the usual guys, Seth and Foz, and a special guest, the artist formerly known as Rolo, our producer. How you doing, sir? I am good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now that you guys have a good platform to record on, uh, I'm back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Wait, we got fancy. <laughs> you, you, you didn't like the tape recorder we sent you to sync up with us? I, I, well, the tape got uh, all jumbled up, so I had to use my scissors, cut it up, and do the old school editing. <laughs> yeah. Now, my, my, my wife is asking questions. She's saying, you know, Foz just got a, a, a turntable, and she's asking who's the better DJ. Oh, Rolo. I still have my, my original D, uh, headphones, which I'm wearing right now from my DJ days. And uh, <laughs> they're better than any headphones I've bought in the past five years. They're still going. I've had to glue parts back together, but the audio quality is still pretty cool. And it actually has a really long cord, too. So you, you could uh, – because in the old days with the turntables, you had to be able to move around. Uh-huh. So now the cords are too short. Just just the way he's talking, Foz, I know he's better than you. <laughs> hey, I had a, I had a commercial on the uh, Z100 radio here once for uh, when I was DJing the club. So you did not. I did. Which club, Hunka Bunka? <laughs> <laughs> I will not say the name of the club. Why not? <laughs> it was Bahama Mamas in Hoboken. Oh man! <laughs> I had the guy that does all the commercials with the like uh, the deep voice that you hear on the radio. He's still doing them on like. Uh, 103.5 and Z100. So it's crazy. Oh, Rolo, we've missed you. <laughs> um, so let's just jump into some topics here. Uh, this There's an airport in, is it Vilnius? Yeah, it is. Uh, that has been turned into a drive-in movie theater uh, temporarily. Kind of a neat way to use the airport. And to let people sort of socialize. Yeah, you get to stay in your car uh, and go watch a movie with other people nearby. It's kind of nice. It's so, uh, it's. You know, it's a good way to do something and make people feel, you know, like they're allowed to get out and be inter- interactive and whatever and use an airport. I'm not sure it's going to really do. So do they charge you landing fees when you pull in? <laughs> <laughs> and should you, or, or is anyone flying in on like a little prop and trying to pull into a parking space? <laughs> you know, forget forget the uh, New York City uh, triple tap, you know, triple touch and goes at all the three airports and like be a little Cessna just fly into the movies. These are reasonable questions, if you ask me. And is the movie powered from a plane IFE? Like, do they just plug it into like one of the planes that's parked? So it's, so it's a five-year-old movie and uh, without the letterbox. Right, you know, say running in SD quality. <laughs> I, I feel like using the APU is probably not the most efficient way to show a movie. <laughs> Oil is cheap. <laughs> that's true. Powered up. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So interesting topic. You know, just a good way to start the show. Um, Wizz Air is still planning their Abu Dhabi operation slash expansion uh, from September or I guess June from Budapest and Bucharest and then September from Cluj, Napoca, Katowice, and Sofia. You ready to Kata- buy that on a 320? Uh, no. <laughs> and it's a Wizz 320, so figure it's super high density. Uh, what's the, I mean, are they blocking seats? You have to pay for that. <laughs> like Frontier? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know, I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised that they're moving forward with it so quickly. Um, but yeah, it's they're they're doing it. So you know, it's it's also you know subject to travel restrictions being lifted and things like that. But I am a little surprised that it's going to happen. Still on time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, is there what's their goal here? Is it just because they want the um, traffic out of Abu Dhabi, or is there some kind of something else going on? I have to assume that there's invest. I'm pretty sure there's investment from the Abu Dhabi side. Hmm. Um, there's also, I mean, so if we go six months, nine months ago, whatever, when this all started up, it was there was investment from the Abu Dhabi side, and uh, they were worried that they were running out of destinations within Europe that were reasonable and without competition and could support the volume of service that was going to happen. So, um, in that context, they they needed more markets to expand into, and they found someone willing to invest and help out with that. Um, today, I'm not sure how much of that still really applies. Mm. Just seems like a weird, it seems like a weird destination for Wizard. Like, why is there a ton of Eastern European O&D traffic to the Emirates? Yeah, to Abu Dhabi, of of all places. Yeah, seems strange. Maybe it's the other way around. I mean, I don't know. It's weird. People from the Emirates really want to visit 
Kluge, Kluge, Napoca. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> those are probably markets that, you know, aren't served. They certainly aren't served by Etihad and probably even not particularly well served by Emirates from up the road. So more like fly Dubai kind of options. So in that sense, the competition and the profile makes, I don't know, sort of works. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, Air France, you guys were just telling me about this before we started the call. Air France cannot sell TGV reasonable routes as part of its bailout funding, so they basically can't sell routes that you could take on a train. Is that the case? If it's short enough, yeah. Um, the idea is that I think it's two and a half hours is the cutoff. So anything that's two and a half hour TGV ride or less can't be sold as a nonstop city pair. So the example you gave was like Lyon to Paris. Which I think is two and a half hours on TGV, so yeah. But that's not uh, how he pronounced it, though. He said Lyon. <laughs> yeah. Lyon. <laughs> so, well, for those people who decide that they want to fly and engage in throwaway ticketing, will Air France go after them? So, so the airline is still allowed to operate the flights because international connecting traffic is allowed to use those segments. The idea, though, is that there will be fewer of them because demand will decrease. Um, so you're saying if I buy JFK to Lyon instead of JFK to Paris and then be like, oh, no, it's more environmentally friendly. I'm throwing away this segment. They shouldn't be able to fight me. Well, I was thinking more like Lyon to De Gaulle to Amsterdam. And then only try to fly one of them? Yeah. Only only go to fly to uh, uh, De Gaulle from Lyon. Uh, as long as you did it with hand baggage only, I'm sure you could get away with it. Of course. But would they go after those folks if they do that? As much as they go after anyone for throwaway ticketing? Is that really a good use of their time right now? Is I mean, counterpoint, it's not like they have that many passengers to worry about, but <laughs> but every penny counts. They gotta pay tell that, that tell that to American that's been shutting down loyalty program accounts left and right. Yeah, they have nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, think, is there another round to American? Uh did we talk about the rental car? I think we did. Yeah, we people people were retro crediting yeah. rental cars that were false. Yeah, so first it was the credit cards for the dogs, and now right. rental cards. And I didn't know if there was another one or not. No, but someone actually filed a DOT complaint. <laughs> Based on what? Like a fo- Not the like the normal go to the website, fill out the form, and click submit done. They filed a formal DOT docket saying that the American Airlines stole their points and won't reimburse them, and that it's uh, false advertising. Oh, it should be fun. Yeah. Need- needless to say, there hasn't been a uh, response in that docket yet. They also use some sort of template that is like your has a section for your name here uh, that they did not edit. So it's filing of brackets your name here is how the docket reads. It's pretty awesome. Oh man. Um, the, um, sorry, sorry. I was just going back to the Air France thing. I think it's interesting. There was actually a uh, local one of their, I guess, House of Representatives, the equivalent there. Um, what's his name here? I have it. Is Matthew Matthew Orfeline. Uh, my French accent is terrible. Uh, <laughs> member of the National Assembly. He's sort of envi- very environment- environmentally focused, and he pushed for even more restrictions, like um, they would not be allowed to protest any or lobby against any environmental actions, and they had to support all these other things. And, you know, there, there's also, in, in addition to the route things, like they will have to buy more biofuels or sustainable fuels and things like that, assuming the production ever happens, um, which is questionable right now. But... Th- uh, Matthew here was pushing for way more. He actually wanted to like shut down the loyalty programs because free flights is just inducing extra travel that doesn't need to happen. And that's not environmentally friendly. Um, and those things didn't make it into the final rules, but the, uh, the biofuels and the no short flights where trains exist did. So now is this, what's the driver behind this? Is it to really just get more people on trains and fewer flights in the air or is it to subsidize the train system or do we know? Um, I don't know if it's subsidized the train system. It's, I mean, it's lower emissions. It's definitely uh, more efficient use of, you know, carbon dioxide if you're going to go that route. Um, but, and generally speaking, with the routes they're picking, time-wise, not much worse. So, who the hell knows? But, you know, there's the, people always make this argument about the, you know, the carbon dioxide aspect. But if the plane is already going... Yes. Well, the idea is that there will be fewer planes because there's less demand. So why not dictate fewer planes, like 50% reduction between, or 75% reduction within 250 miles, and then leave it up to the mar- to individual wallets to determine if they want to fly or take a train? Well, if you could say that in French, I'd encourage you to go negotiate with the people setting these rules. 
in in the words of Rollo, is not possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I I did look up the it's the Assemblée Nationale and the Senate. So he's either one of those two part of the French Assemblée Nationale. Yeah, it's the it's, French it's, Parliament it's, has two pieces. So okay, first yeah. we got to figure out where he where he operates, and then Boz could go and appeal. Uh, he is the uh, a member of the National Assembly for Maine et Loire's first constitu- first constituency. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever that means in in, in French, I don't understand. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, this will be interesting to see how it plays out. I wonder if other countries like Germany. Um, kind of, you know, follow suit uh, since they they do have similar... I mean, Lufthansa already sells train segments, right? Uh, so does Air France, I think. Yeah, like, probably. I know, I know, like, if you fly out of Brussels uh, on an Air France itinerary, it's a train for the first segment. But they, they want to increase it and force it and not allow the, the truly short-haul domestic hops. Um, I, 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 you know, per Faz's point, I think it's a little bit of a weird way to approach the situation. Um, and maybe there's a there could or should have been a different specific lever to pull but i'm not entirely opposed to it. i think you know where investment has been made in better more efficient uh resources why not use them and if you're investing in this sort of stuff also you know in the u.s i would have loved to see some of the billions and billions that's going to airports that should never have been released because the dot screwed up the formulas mm-hmm. go to high-speed rail instead yeah or the allentown bus <laughs> <laughs> high-speed allentown rail yeah. <laughs> just giving them their own lane on the highway exactly and the etihad bus we forgot to mention that with the whiz air you do not get to ride the etihad bus <laughs> well and and you also have the one for uh what is it down at beaumont the beaumont to houston route on a bus which might be the most miserable bu- miserable bus ever so and sun country launched all their new buses too <laughs> are they social distancing on those just last year I, i'm not sure any of them are operating because sun country got to suspend basically all its routes um, <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. We talked about that last week, right? That they're they're basically kind of able to to say we're not dormant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Today, JetBlue and uh, Spirit both received their approval to suspend big cities, also. So per- similar to the Sun Country. So their details of how and when aren't clear yet, but they're all going to sus- Spirit gets six and JetBlue gets sixteen routes they can drop. Wow. Or destinations. Yeah. Um, Air France or no, Air Canada is retiring a bunch of old planes. Uh, I, I, for one, endorse this wholeheartedly, be, having been on one of their like 25-year-old A320s that was just beat to hell. <laughs> Bad news, Stephen. 320s aren't getting retired. Oh, dang Which the, ones are The 319s and 767s are fully leaving Rouge, leaving it as current uh, 320s, 321s for now. Um, friend of ours, mine, whatever, suggests that maybe the 330s will move over when they're ready to bring Rouge back long haul. But for now, that's not happening. Um, and then mainline, the E90s are accelerated retirement and they're done. That was supposed to be end of year anyways. And, uh, a bunch of the 319s are leaving mainline as well. I wonder how that's going to work then. So like Portland, uh, Toronto is, a, was a rouge route on a 319. Um, I wonder what they're going to do there. Like maybe a 220. That'd be, make it mainline, not rouge. Yeah. yeah. You, you, that'd be lucky for you. That'd um, be great. <laughs> I can see where you're going with this. <laughs> I just want all the good things for me. They'll sub, they'll sub it out when he's flying, though. He'll get some CRJ or some. <laughs> yeah, we've extended the range of the CRJ 900. <laughs> 900? What are you dreaming about? I'm going to give you a 200, and all the other seats are going to be gas cans. <laughs> Every 20 minutes, they're going to just have you go back to the lab and dump one in and flush it, and that'll refill the tanks. <laughs> he'll connect in Winnipeg. Yes. And then get stuck. <laughs> and and where else? How many connections would it be? Uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Oh God. Um, no, the, the you know it's they're retiring eighty of the or seventy nine of the four hundred ish planes in the fleet, which is twenty percent cut. Makes some sense given what they're expecting to see happen overall with the sort of market dropping precipitously right now and not recovering immediately. And when the time comes, they'll have more two twenties in house. Uh, like I said before, they can move the three thirties over and keep mainline as just triple sevens and seven, eight sevens. There's some options. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the Rouge piece makes sense simply because, you know, leisure traffic may not take right back off. Right. So there's st- everybody saying leisure is going to come back before business this time. Interesting. Well, business has the duty of care stuff where, you know, if you get sent away for work and you get sick, it's the company's fault. Yep. And no business wants COVID-19 liability. 
Yeah. yeah. Whereas people can do whatever they want whenever they want, as we've seen in the United States. <laughs> nah. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about United's version of this. Uh, they're saying they're not committing to, to retiring any airplanes. What's what's the story? So they're, they have announced significant uh, reductions for pilots. And in that announcement basically said the 787 is the new quote unquote workhorse of the international fleet. Uh, the triple seven three hundreds will consolidate to San Francisco and Newark. The seven six seven will be the only subfleet for the seven five six pilots. So the seven fifty seven and seven sixty seven pilots have four subfleets. I think right seven five two seven five three seven six three seven six four. Yep. And if you consider the high J and regular seven six three, it's five. But they're gonna those four or five types only the seven six threes are gonna keep flying in the near term. And then the A320 and A and seven three seven families will continue to fly, um, just in, in lower numbers because you know schedule limitations and such. So going through all that, it becomes clear that depending on how long this lasts and how low demand really is, we could expect that the seven six fours might not fly again, the seven five threes might not fly again, et cetera, et cetera. The seven seven twos, who knows? Right? There's discussion about the seven seven threes, but some of the older seven seven twos might not fly hmm. or might not fly much. Wait, we might finally get rid of the slave ships. I would have expected the the high density or domestic big ones would stick around. What about what about LA? Right, they're losing the the seven eight sevens altogether, or is that a? So did the, I read that wrong? No, sort of. Uh, the the statement said it was in line with that workhouse comment. It was a workhorse comment. Sorry, they said you know the seven eight seven will be the workhorse of our international fleet, and we don't expect to see the seven eight sevens at LAX for some time. Thusly, we're closing the crew base there. Um, now. Could the 787 still show up on, like, a W route, like San Francisco, Narita, LA, Narita, San Francisco? Yes. And that would solve the crew problems. But the memo said that it's probably not going to show up at that airport at all. Could the 77W do the same thing and still show up there without a crew base? Sure, but still less efficient. So are they not going to do LA, Tokyo, and LA, Shanghai? It's a damn good question. Not this year. Clearly. And, you know, as far as the high density plane, you want to think that those might be the first to go if you have spacing requirements being introduced. Well, and they are, ask, they are the ask, oldest. Yeah. Uh, if you ask IATA, the spacing requirements are bullshit. So even though all the airlines are saying, no, we kind of think our passengers want that and we're going to try it for now, um, at least in the near term. IATA is doing its best now to start a lobbying campaign saying airlines don't need to block seats. Just have everybody wear masks or any sort of face covering. Nobody's probably going to get sick. It'll be OK. Well, they discuss it at the next route conference. <laughs> I, added, yeah. I added doesn't run the routes conferences. That's a different group. Maybe what they should do is they should have everybody in airplane seats for the routes conference and just say, oh, this is you know what you suggested because um, <laughs> I'm an asshole. So I don't know if you guys noticed this, but Air Fleets is now tracking parked airplanes hmm. and current fleet. Are they tracking parked separate from stored? Yes. It's about effing time. That got so confusing. So 61772s are currently parked for United and 177W. Yeah, they're using a bunch of the 77Ws for cargo. The only fleet type that doesn't have anything parked is a 7810. Because there aren't that many of them. 13. That's a fair that many? Yeah. yeah. And they've got seven more coming next yeah. year. They they converted those options and then the economy fell apart. But hey, we're taking them anyways. I mean, I, my thing with United is what's the what's the reasoning behind the seven six four getting kind of pushed aside? Is that is it just not as fuel efficient? They're probably all com- they're all probably coming up for major C or D checks. Mm-hmm. They all need to get Polaris cabins. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the seven six threes have almost all been configured, either reconfigured or have the two one two layout. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think there's any other two and twos. I think they're yeah, they were done. They were, like the last high J config happened in like February or March. Oh, I feel like so they've they've pretty much they finished the seven six three. So that's the that's probably the reasoning then. Yeah, and there's capacity efficiency questions there. Yeah, I mean, right? If you go with the theory that return is going to be slow and you want to serve as many destinations as you can nonstop, still and to drive that premium yield, yada yada yada, you want probably smaller planes in a lot of markets. You're not going to fill 280 seats going to, I don't know where the hell the 764 used to fly to, Sao Paulo? Yeah, they used to do like Sao Paulo. They had them doing Buenos Aires every now and then. Berlin. Uh, Houston Houston to Amsterdam every now and then. Um, so they just kind of filled in. Yeah, I'd say the Houston Amsterdam, wouldn't that be a seasonal switch from the trip from the 772 when yeah, the yeah. coach demand was lower, but they had to keep Shell happy? Yep, exactly. So yeah, you can switch those around with 787s now. 
of the triple uh, sevens that are not stored at the moment, um, the line some of the line numbers are two, three, four, five, seven, eleven, and twelve. <laughs> I can't imagine, or they, most of them have been parked, but I can't imagine that they're going to be surviving this. One never knows. <laughs> uh, you know, Kirby's running the show now, so. <laughs> So should, that, should should then so should United then buy back into JFK now while when other airlines you know fail? Yeah, they should. With Kirby in charge. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, kind of talking, we can kind of this will kind of go into our next subject. But Seth, you posted something about uh, United applying for fifth freedom between Hong Kong and Singapore. Yeah, uh, they want to start flying cargo this weekend between LA, uh, all their Hong Kong destinations so and Singapore. Or? Right now, they run they run a daily they run a daily Hong Kong flight from LA, and they want to extend it to Singapore. Mm, gotcha. um, where it gets interesting is the application is for passenger aircraft, not just cargo. And so, in a footnote in the filing, there's a comment that basically says, "If passenger demand returns, we will also expand this to include passengers." When I asked a United spokesperson, they said, we have no plans for that at this time, which, you know, the at this time caveat covers all manner of sin when they decide to change their mind later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, you know, running the nonstop from San Francisco was crazy expensive, even with fuel cheap and all those other things. So I'd be surprised. If, I would not be surprised if they chose to ease back into uh, Singapore service via Hong Kong, assuming Hong Kong transfers, passenger transfer starts to open up and, you know, the U.S., manages to convince the world that it's safe to let Americans into their countries. Yeah. I, I was the only reason I was wondering about that is like, you know, could we see a return of the Guam hub, you know, stronghold where they, you know, fly Guam to Hong Kong or Guam to Singapore, or Guam to, you know, all these different places that have now kind of all those routes have kind of died off. That, that would be an interesting uh, ch- turn of events. I don't think they ever <laughs> flew Guam to Singapore. No, no they didn't, but, they had- but it could be cool. It would be fun line, right? Oh yeah. Uh, 738 into Singapore. That's what I want. <laughs> didn't they no there was never mind um they're still trying to get more manila slots though so who knows how to go on <laughs> oh man um and so the reason i brought that up was uh project sunrise has kind of been killed the Qantas's ultra long haul program right for uh sydney to london and city to new york uh, so they've they've killed it off or temporarily put it suspended, suspended yeah yeah, they're not going to buy the planes this year, I think, is what Joyce said. So, But do we really see demand for that coming back anytime soon? So, I mean, if, it, if the predictions really are true that business is going to take much longer to recover, right? one would assume that high-revenue high business will be even further down the pike. And ultra-long haul has always been at the edge of profitable relative to other routes. You know, there's the sort of mid-haul, long-hauls, regional stuff, transatlantic, trans-Pacific, and then you start getting to the very, very, very long flights that are just that much more expensive to run. Even with fuel cheaper, it gets expensive to tanker it all the way around the world. So, you know, we're, we're looking at years away, not months, certainly, before that becomes a good idea again. Um, mm. and, but that also goes to my point about, will Singapore, San Francisco come back on United um, right away versus connections in Hong Kong? It's the same I'm, thing. I'm booked for in October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we call that wishful thinking, Foss. You'll be taking you a just bird- go ahead and start the clock <laughs> now on your refund request. <laughs> well, my upgrade cleared. You might, you might, yeah, you, you, you might, if you put your refund request in now, you might get it by the time of the flight. Well, maybe if they do drop it, then maybe I could do Newark, Hong Kong, Singapore. <laughs> oh, man. Really um, anyway. Well, I mean, on the same topic, right? Uh, Qantas is also, ha- their, their 747s are done forever. Um, and it's not, and there, it's not clear how long the A380s have with them. That's the case. Some A380s are probably coming back. They just don't know. You know, last time it was, well, the ones that already converted, they redid the interiors on a few. So the ones that already converted, will bring back, but we're not sure for how long, Mm. um, you know, it sort of becomes a question of, can they get, can they, and when, when will they get the 787s that they ordered to replace them? Um, and it's not a one-to-one replacement, obviously, but there's, I'm pretty sure they got seven eights on the line for that. They're supposed to be the 350s for Sunrise, but that's not happening. Um, you know, it's the 380s are getting to the point where they were going to, again, they were going to be retired anyway. So are, is that going to accelerate is, is really what all these fleet decisions become is we, we plan to shut down. We plan to get rid of all these planes. Are we accelerating that? Are we going to try to stretch it out? And thus far, very few airlines are choosing to stretch out the lifespan of old planes rather than uh, accelerate. Yeah. Yeah. Be looking for those planes to show up at Delta. No, even Delta finally <laughs> grounded its mad dogs. Um, and what else did they retire? Something else. 
717s, right? No, the 717s are still in service. Are not are staying for now. Seven six three dropping seven six threes faster. Yeah, they're accelerating that. And then it was American with the nine one nineties and the three 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 thirty threes or three three threes seven fives and seven sixes and seven fives seven six yeah seven fives and seven sixes and they've also said three three twos are not that far off. They have not confirmed the three three twos. I thought uh, they haven't confirmed it, but they said that, that it. those would be likely the next. next. Yeah. If they have to do more wide bodies, it'd be three three twos, and more single aisles would be their forty oldest seven three seven eight hundreds. Yeah, thinking of, thinking about it, um, kind of going back to the uh, Hong Kong Singapore thing. What I find interesting is, you know, they used to fly United's big the way they used to do it was a flu arena. Um, do you think this is tip just because of uh, cargo? Like, there's more cargo need in Hong Kong. They did. Hong- they used to do Hong Kong Singapore go. as well as Narita. Okay. Because they used to fly from Hong Kong, aside from the states, they used to fly to Saigon, Narita. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Singapore. Yeah. And, I mean, Stephen, to your point, yes, right now it's cargo-driven, and they just are going to tag the 77W onward. And out of Narita, they they set up a mini sort of cargo hub in Narita also. Um, but those are mostly into China. Gotcha. And so it makes sense just from, I guess, from a fleet utilization and crew to tag it this way through. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... For passenger flow, they can put people through Narita onto or Haneda onto ANA, or they can do it through Hong Kong on their own metal, theoretically. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, other bad news for airlines uh, Virgin Atlantic is bailing on Gatwick with 3,000 layoffs um, and retiring the 747s immediately. Yep, never going to fly again. Well, for Virgin as passenger planes. Bailing on Gatwick seems crazy because they fly some kind of random routes out of Gatwick. I mean, they fly uh, Vegas, I think uh, Bermuda, or is it Bermuda? No, they do like a lot of Caribbean routes, yeah. like uh, Saint Trinidad Lucia. and Tobago and St. Lucia and things like that. It's, But it's only, I mean, only. It's like six to eight a day, I think. So it's not a huge number. This is, again, I think we've talked about this before. Virgin presents itself as so much bigger than it really is. Hmm. Um, it's like eight a day there and something like 24 a day at Heathrow. And I mean, they're all 747s at Gatwick, so it's huge and it's a lot of people, but it's not that huge an operation. But it's still, it's, I mean, it is a big blow for Gatwick when you hear IAG talking about BA moving out of there. Um, Norwegian did finally get approval from its bondholders to convert its debt, so maybe they're going to get the next tranche of funding from the Norwegian government, so they might still be in business. But they had previously sort of furloughed everybody um, at most of their airlines as well, including the UK version. So, Gatwick, you know, the, the, they have a statement out. I'm sorry, I can find it. I had it up earlier. Like the, the Gatwick operator statement was, yeah, here, I got it. Uh, basically, you know, we will always, well, Virgin Atlantic will always be welcome at Gatwick and we'll continue our efforts to explore ways to restart the airline's operations as soon as possible in the knowledge that they intend to retain their slot portfolio at Gatwick for when demand returns. Um, yada, yada, yada. We will continue to work closely with our other airline partners, including EasyJet, the IAG Group, Wiz, TUI, and Ryanair to strengthen our business for the future. And this is like while Gatwick is just finishing up terminal upgrades and things like that, and now all of a sudden, you know, it's losing some of its bigger... Yeah. I mean, I would argue as a whole, Gatwick is nicer from a facility standpoint than Heathrow at this point, given the state of T2 and T4. Not T2, T3 and T4. Yeah. Rolo, have you done the Virgin Atlantic flights to the, the Bahamas and the Caribbean? Of all the people on the show, I figured you'd be the one. No, he no. Hair, he needed a haircut. What are you going to do? <laughs> they, don't, they don't offer the haircut out of Gatwick. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I back this move. <laughs> oh, man. Endorsed. No, producer endorsed for better lounge <laughs> No, but I, I think that they're they're banking on – when demand comes back that they'll be just able to r- ramp up their flights out of Heathrow, I, I guess. I mean, cause I, I imagine tourism to the Caribbean will be back at some point. Except I don't think Virgin Atlantic is going to come back after all this. Well, that could be different. <laughs> That's a different story. It will be, it will be funny to watch Branson have to fly BA to get back to the UK. <laughs> He'll take Delta. Through Atlanta, loses luggage. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Sorry, I was just put one other thing out there on it. It's even while I mean, this is bad, and I agree. There's going to be there's a lot of challenges for Virgin Atlantic to come to come through on this. There's also been an uproar from BA pilots because BA has basically said they want to cut a third of the staff, and the pilots are saying, you know, no, don't let them do this to us. Which I I understand the the uh, 
game there, like the play there, I would not be happy if I was told that, you know, a third of my, me and or a third of my coworkers were all about to lose our jobs. But at the same time, like the airline is cutting a third or more of its operations in the near term. It's hard for me to see how they can afford to keep the people on. So that's a really interesting one to me. Um, Frontier is really just taking care of the customer. Uh, charging, yeah, you, can, you can get a middle seat. They're charging for the, the middle seat. So if you want it blocked, uh, you can pay for that pl- that pleasure. So I guess I guess I should start like gambling. Like, will the person in the aisle pay to block the seat? Or do I have to? It's like a, it's like a, you're gambling every time you fly. Thirty nine dollars. Vegas in the air, baby. Um, so thirty nine bucks. If I was flying with my wife, thirty nine bucks for a black middle seat's a bargain. That's true. I mean, That's true. this is my this is my approach on spirit also, where usually for the cost of buying a, an extra seat for the two of us, I can spend way less than that and get big front seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like I'm going to pay twenty five dollars each for a seat assignment anyways. It's fifty for big front seats. So, yeah, fifty bucks combined total difference. I buy that every time. I mean, I, I bet other airlines are kind of watching this closely. And if it's successful, uh, they may pick it up. <laughs> other airlines have sold this as a ancillary product in the past it's there is a it's gambling for the airline also though if you're running you know 90 percent load factors do you have you know that's an average you have to know that you're going to have empty seats on board and if you sell too many at you know 39 dollars, when that last minute purchase comes along at 150 or 250 or whatever and you don't get it because you've already given someone else that seat is a blocked for 39 it's the same thing as selling too many cheap seats i mean does this whole thing mean the end of low-cost carriers or ultra low-cost carriers <sighs> Maybe, probably not. It depends on how much money they have to ride it out. Yeah. Right? I mean, so the the challenge is for all the carriers getting through this zero demand window and how long that's going to last and getting sort of out the other side where they can start to sell seats and make money again. If it lasts until June, that's one thing. If it lasts until October, that's another. If it lasts until mid-2021, completely another. And so for the smaller carriers that truly are sort of seasonal cyclical, where they make all their money in the summer and very little in the winter, it's going to be bad. You're going to see a lot of them not come through because there's not going to be a summer 2020 peak season. But more fundamentally, like even when we're on the other side of this, whenever that might be, yeah. just given the scarring, the average human is not going to want to be so close to other people they don't know. Yeah. Sure they do. Sure they will. Tell them it's a $39 seat to Vegas. Or in the Europe version, whatever random city is the stag slash hen slash drinking capital of this year. That Ryanair got paid to bring tens of thousands of people to. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, 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 and I don't understand this one, but right now, United is upgaging Vegas to triple sevens out of all the hubs. Cargo? Ooh. I don't know what cargo is going to Vegas. Or yeah, Vegas. I, I, I would say possibly, but I don't know what cargo it would be. Chips. Sand. <laughs> Slot machines. <laughs> There's actually some interesting. I saw some uh, video slash pictures of things that might come out of Vegas, like every other slot machine closed. To promote, so you know, so block the middle seats at your slot ta- at your slot banks. Um, limit of three people per blackjack table instead of six or seven. Like only six that are a craps table, um, a roulette table. So they're trying to limit some of those crowds. And then there's also like a crazy splash sneeze guard thing sitting between, like you're at a, sitting between the dealer and the players at the tables. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I would say even if there are enough people to jump on the thirty nine dollar seats, I think overall the demand will still be less than where it was before all this started. I think there will be enough people who are still cautious on it. And is that enough to keep it afloat? Is that drop enough to keep it afloat? Because these guys have been running pretty tight from a margin perspective. Yeah. I mean, yes, demand is going to be down. We know the demand is going to be down. Yep. Right for years. Um, how many remains to be seen? Is it three? Is it five? Is it two? Um, I'm betting it's higher than not, but we know that demand is going to be down for some years to come. It's then just, you know, not just a, but it, it is a question of will the yields be there and can they, can the costs be low enough for the airlines to still work at those rates? Like you said, I mean, the, you know, can 39, can you sell enough $39 seats always? Can, will enough $39 seats actually pay for the operation? I feel like is the real question. And if some of them go out of business now, there'll be others that come back and take their place. I mean, shit, Dave Nealman is going crazy on Twitter right now. Open it back up. We're all adults. Let us make our own decisions. Don't You can't tell me I have to stay home. Kind of wacko shit. Um, because he wants to start his new airline. So, and there's always going to be someone like that with money who wants to start another airline. 
named Newman. Eh, it could be. I mean, listen, there's been people starting airlines all the time in the States. Some of them actually have money. Some of them don't. Avatar finally got their application outright rejected again. Um, but there's Eastern also- got a new livery. Yeah. <laughs> it leaked. They were pretty pissed about that. <laughs> they had a tweet like, well, this isn't how we meant to introduce it, but here it is. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so one of our listeners, uh, Andrew Young, uh, asked us uh, to discuss this. Uh, the, you know, Mahan, the Iran carrier, uh, is potentially, um, you know, retiring uh, 747s or the A300, right? Like these planes are going to go away. Is that kind of the idea behind this? Um, anybody want to take one last trip to Iran? Uh, no. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see here. I want to see what else Andrew had, was, was, had put on here. Um, I think Seth would not even go even at the height of his uh, risky travel. You think I so? really wanted to. I really did. Um, I ran into some challenges there, but it was something. It really had me. Uh, I'm 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 disappointed that I probably never will. I I, I you know I was really I looked at the 707 because there was a classic 707 in Iran. I think there still is, but I don't know that it's flying anymore. Uh, I really wanted to go, but uh, that's when the U.S. kind of clamped down on everything. Uh, and the Iran, the relations with Iran got really bad. So I don't know if we'll ever have the chance. Yeah. But it's cool. It's a cool thought <laughs> to go fly on a 747 classic. The SP, right? Yeah. The yeah. SP, yeah. Um, so Andrew, don't have a lot to say. We, I think I think it would be fun. I don't know that it would happen anytime soon uh, for, for Americans at least. Maybe we could fly on the MGM plane. Isn't that an SP? Uh, the Sands. Sands, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Sands 747. I think it's an SP, yeah. I think you're right. And they have a 346 as well. Is it 346 or 345? It might actually be a 345. You might be I think right. it's the 5 for the range. To yeah. get Vegas to Singapore? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Vegas, Macau, maybe. Come on. Yeah. Uh, um, one of the one of the things you post, someone posted uh, was the United Shop. Uh, what what is this? Why do I have a link to the United Shop in the show notes? <laughs> it's exciting. It's the United Together. Uh, they've got pins and T shirts that support the We Care Fund. Good cause. Um, not super excited about the product, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I was I was going to say, you know, this kind of leads me to my my experience recently, I sent you guys the picture of the email that I got and I wrote a blog post about it. Uh, United sent me a, after going back and forth with a DOT complaint, United said, Oh yeah, we'll refund your ticket. Uh, that had some canceled flights. Uh, what I received was an email saying, here's your refund. Your ETC is, uh, your electronic travel certificate is, inc- is down below with its code and pin number and can be used for any future United flight. Um, so, I, I, that's not a refund, but it was worded very clearly as a refund. But you could take it to the Chase Bank and just they'll deposit it for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right I, after they right after they approve your PPP loan as a small business that's not a uh, banking with them. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it's, it's not just disingenuous. It's 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 pretty close to being downright deceptive. Um, because I think they're presenting it as, and even in their wording, you know, you got uh, a refund here. Yeah, yeah, and I think people, if they don't really understand, they don't pay attention. They're they're gonna ask, well, where's my five hundred dollars that I spent on an airfare? Um, so I, I don't I don't really like it. I uh, I let United know about it, and they um, followed up and said, oh, we will refund it to the original um, form of payment, which took a lot of back and forth because they said, well, you voluntarily canceled it. I said, how did I voluntarily cancel it? You guys canceled the flight and then wanted me to spend the night on my own dime in Chicago. Um, and so, yeah, but these guys are all the airlines are starting to uh, do questionable stuff, right? Lefty, KLM, Air France, they're all sitting on refunds as much as they can and making it harder to refund. Yeah. I mean, what's Lefty doing? I haven't heard anything about Lefty. What are they? All the European airlines have basically said, oh, no, we are not giving you refunds yet. We'll give you vouchers. And then in 12 months, they'll become refunds, maybe if we're still in business and we feel like it. And the EC or EU rules have come out and said, oh, no, you actually have to do it right. And they're now, I think they got 10 or 12 countries to basically band together and say, we're going to have to change the rules because otherwise we have to pay for this ourselves. And so that's bad. Wow. Okay. Um. I mean, what are you, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Because like, is it, should I feel bad that United has to give me a refund or, you know, and, and stick with the, the ETC? I go back with something. One of our common friends used to say, loving a company is like loving a brick. It doesn't love you back. 
Yeah, well, I mean, clearly. Um, <laughs> do you feel the same way, Seth? Yes, with the caveat that, I mean, yeah, yes, was the short answer. I feel like the, the airlines have canceled the service. If the airline cancels the flight, they owe you the money back. They always have. They always should. Um, whether they always will remains to be seen. But um, absolutely, that should be something that errors in the favor of the customer. Just because, like everything else the airlines do, the contracts are so egregiously one-sided that to take this one little thing away, I think, would sort of be the last straw. Um, mm. You know, beyond that, they, oh, some of the airlines figured out, hey, we give them a 10% bonus and maybe they'll keep it in voucher form and things like that. And it, you're right, it's, they know that the money's not going to be spent for a long time anyways, and so they need it um, and it helps them out, right? It's the same thing as why they give vouchers and for service failures because you're going to use it and spend more money eventually later. So um, there's, there's a lot of things there. There's actually an interesting one I saw. Uh, it's Latam is working with the folks at PlusGrade, which is the bid for upgrade. Thing, yeah. um, right? So they've got a new travel certificate voucher, um, and it's a prepaid certificate. Whatever the airline can attach uh, an interest rate essentially to it. So if it's a five percent bonus, you buy a hundred dollar certificate. Next month it's one hundred five. Week at, month after that is one ten. The month after that is one hundred fifteen. And so it's basically the airline betting that it can invest the money short term better than you can and hold on to it and hopefully still be in business. So that's interesting. But the other thing, and I don't really understand this from the story, is they're also suggesting that the airlines make it more valuable sooner to, to quote unquote, speed the recovery of the aviation industry, which is stupid because the point is to get the cash in hand. It's not to actually have to operate the flights. Um, the airlines want to book the revenue, not book the expense of operating the flight. So, but the example given is a $500 flight certificate purchased today be worth $1,000 later this year or $750 next year. So it'd actually be like a negative interest rate on it, which I don't understand how that's supposed to be encouraging. Like I will give you a lot of money now and it will be worth even more, but then it'll be worth less. And so I'm not sure how that motivates the consumer. (laughs) Yeah, that's a weird one. I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think, I mean, let's be honest too, like United is also um, dragging their feet on processing refunds, right? Yeah. So like the actual um, return of the money to the card, you know, is, is taking 21 days now. Still a violation uh, of the rules. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure someone's sitting there manually punching the credit card numbers into a machine. That's why they're so backed up. <laughs> uh, you know, then. The, the, sorry, just to sort of finish vaguely a thought from before. It's like, it's not, right, it's not the consumer's fault that the airline had to cancel the flight. It's arguably not the airline's fault either because it had to cancel the flight because the government said, you know, you can't fly to random destination for international stuff, certainly, right? The government said they can't fly to Canada. That's why you can't go, Stephen. Um, so I get that. But for the airline to say to the consumer, oh, the government screwed us, so we're screwing you, as opposed to the government screwed us, so now we have to go fight the government. I just feel like that's right. Like, don't put me in the middle of your fight with someone else. But part of the problem here is they're doing this on refundable tickets, too. I had a refundable ticket and it took five or six weeks for it to get through. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's obscene. Yeah. And the other airlines are also, quote unquote, auditing all these refunds as well. I got to wonder. I mean, I wonder a lot of things about how backwards airlines operate some days but how much of this really needs manual auditing like mm. what's the fraud case that they're really working against here yeah yeah and i'm sure there is one i just wonder what it is people using utcs and getting partial credit back or getting full credit back to a credit card hmm. maybe but i feel like i mean what's the percentage of that and can that be automated <laughs> you know can it be automated yes but we're talking about computers that are 30 40 years old uh-huh. yeah so basic math is about all they can do Wow. Yeah. And is that a place to invest your money right now to reprogram that stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Right. It's a capital expense. And for someone like United, it's not such a big deal because it's their own. They own everything. But for someone like American or Delta, they have to go pay Sabre or Worldspan to go do it for them. Mm. Yeah. I uh, Just speaking of like, you know, the capital expense and weird changes like that, United also in their quarterly earnings this week uh, or last week announced they were going to have touchless kiosk option. I don't know if you guys saw this for printing bag tags to try to reduce the uh, contact points and transmission risk. So it's they they haven't released the full details, but the bit I gathered is it's app integration where you'll have a special barcode on your like you'll check in for your flight, you'll get a check, special barcode that says like print bag tags, and you'll scan that. And instead of going through like yes, oh, yes, no, okay, whatever, and spitting out the bag tag, you just pr- scan the special barcode and the bag tag will spit out of the kiosk. You know, I, 
I will actually give for this. I will give United a little credit that they're still, cool. they're still investing yeah. in the experience and trying trying to use their advantage in the digital space to continue moving forward. Yeah, now, this is I think is a really good use of technology. Also integrates the payment if you have to pay bag fees can go be done straight through the app rather than dealing with the card at the machine. Like there's a, there's a lot of interesting neat stuff going through there. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, kind of a cool topic. Uh, Andy Luton of Andy's Travel Blog. Uh, has a uh, photo series that he he did of a bunch of the airplanes around the country parked. Um, so he he kind of traveled all around and and uh, paid for helicopter rides uh, to take these photos, and and they're pretty fantastic. Yeah, stunning pictures. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's, yeah, it's incredible in, in every sense of the word. Stunning, like yeah. knock you off your seat just seeing the planes lined up like that. Yeah, I mean, there's one. Uh, the uh, it looks like. Let me see what he said in the post here. Maybe it looks like Arizona. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, penal. Like just the jet blue planes lined up, and the angle he got is is crazy. Um, so I mean, it's a lot of planes. Yeah. So I, I was trying to away. figure out. I was trying to figure out how they would get them out. And some of them, I'm like, which way would they go with like a tug and stuff to get them out? They they're like very tightly fitted some in some places. One at a time. <laughs> yeah, slowly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy when you look at the taxiway at Kansas City, um, and there's a bunch of Delta jets parked there. They closed one of the runways for that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's it's just nuts. Like, that's a lot of planes to be yeah. parked on a, on a runway. So, I mean, what's weird is, like, here in Newark, they're not storing anything anymore. And so when I drove by last week, I think there were five planes at the entire airport. Hmm. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. Yeah, it was like really. Excuse me, five passenger planes, and there was like six cargo planes. <laughs> so we'll we'll share the link. Uh, people should check this out. Give Andy some traffic. Yeah, he did, he did cool. a fantastic job. So, um, last topic: uh, New Zealand and Australia defining a safe zone. What is this? They both think that they've suppressed COVID nineteen enough that they're talking about reopening borders between them. Wow. So it's gonna they're gonna allow travel back and forth. Um, Trans-Tasman, yeah, they're gonna start to open up Trans-Tasman. Right now, it's sort of truly essential only, and they're gonna start to open it up to more. Wow! And so the, it's yeah, interesting it's because yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say that's interesting because you know United is flying San Francisco Sydney right now, um, and I don't know how many people are on those flights, but you know that's that's odd to me now that that they weren't supposed to be having people travel to Australia. I mean, it must be cargo. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, I mean, it's the United flight's the only nonstop service right now on a passenger plane between the two countries. Mm. Yeah. So, um, what were you going to say, Seth? Sorry, I cut you off. No, just like I think there's going to be some interesting challenges globally as regions try to reopen like this, and you know, how are they going to come up with policies? And if Australia and New Zealand form a bubble, so to speak, um, a kudos to Will Horton out of Hong Kong for asking if Southeast Asia is going to have uh, you know a travel bubble tea instead of just a travel bubble. Um, <laughs> but more to the point, you know, if there is an ASEAN uh, network of countries that come together, would then all of them have to agree? Like, would one bubble have to agree with another bubble to open between them and expand the bubble, so to speak? Like, you can't sort of have a Venn diagram because someone could hop between that maybe one country doesn't want to come through. Mm. Yeah. And there's transitive property, a transitive property problem. Yeah, I mean, you you look like somewhere like Taiwan, where they've they've pretty much uh, got scathed, you know, got come through this unscathed. Um, they have flights to the United States. They have flights all over right now, um, and it doesn't seem to be a problem. But I can't see that same uh, thing happening with like Hong Kong, right? If if Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Macau were all in a bubble, I can't see that continuing necessarily until Hong Kong says, "Yeah, we're going to let people transit." So. Anyway, yeah, that's there's problems. Yeah, have you guys have you guys booked anything? Any flights besides besides Foz? Nothing. No. I booked some vir- virtual flights on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you flying X plane or something on Zoom? Yeah. Is that, is that what you're doing? <laughs> oh wow! San Francisco Sydney is now morning. It leaves at eleven in the morning. What time does it get in? Seven p.m. And and that's weird. There's a fair number of people on there. That is weird. I kind of like that time better. That is so weird. <laughs> oh man! Anything else you guys want to talk about, Rolo? Anything you want to you want to mention? No, but you know, uh, just quickly back to New Zealand. It's, I just read an article um, about New Zealand. I guess this week at some point about how they were one of the first to in, implement like an early lockdown and a fourteen day quarantine. 
but there's also so, so like what's the population in New Zealand? How many people? It's really like it's very small. very yeah. So it's. Um, but you know, New Zealand has a lot to risk without tourism, right? Because a large portion of their economy is all tourism. But can they afford to have people come and say, "Well, all right, quarantine for 14 days, and then you're good to travel around"? I mean, I guess you know, no one's going to take that. That's your vacation, right? You can't come for unless you're Australian, and you could have unlimited vacation. <laughs> but I imagine it'll come down to testing, right? As testing becomes more readily available, and you can be tested on arrival, like Austria, uh, Vienna yeah. Airport's doing that, right? It's like two hundred dollars or something, but you can get tested and circumvent the quarantine upon arrival. Well, weren't they talking about? In Europe, like if you got the antibody test and it was positive to give you like some license to like walk around, but I guess they don't even know if the antibodies means you're immune or just temporarily immune. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a ton of data yet on what the antibodies mean. But I mean, for New Zealand, I mean, unless you're Peter Thiel, you know, he can. Who got? What did he do? He got he got his uh, he got his uh, citizenship in like two weeks compared to fourteen hundred days. It's required. <laughs> I mean, I bet, I bet he could just show up and uh, walk in. Well, he can buy his way into anything, right? <laughs> so I think the rest of us, though, I think you're right, Rolo. It's kind of like there's going to have to be some kind of test, or you know, we get your temperature taken or something. Yeah, I think the temperature is more of a. Yeah, you, if you have a fever, then okay, you might be sick. But it, I don't know; it's not a real. Yeah, the, 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 so I mean, the problem, yeah, the problem with the you know it, the fever is more to call out people who are trying to sneak in who are yeah, 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 well yeah. into the process, right? But that doesn't identify people who might still be a carrier. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the damn Starlux is flying. Are they actually like flying? There. Flying in the in the air right now, Taipei to Penang. Wow, I did want to try them out. So maybe whenever I get my, I finally go to. Hanoi again. I'll, I'll check. I'll check them out. I, I was surprised to see a Cathay flight do JFK Hong Kong yesterday. Cargo? No, eight forty one. One of the regular flights. The the morning, the one forty in the morning flight. No, because I was not up at two in the morning. <laughs> uh, I noticed that. Well, I don't know. You randomly are up sometimes when I'm over here on the west coast. I, I am, but last night I was not. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, I do have something I did want to bring up. Um, I think we should make a pact that if we get the all clear. Uh, and the island hopper is still running. We we all have to take it back. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, it's a very it's a very like we. There may not be an all clear for a long time. There may not be an island hopper. So you you could get out of it. I'm sure you could weasel out of it anyways. Just walk slower <laughs> at LAX, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do Sprain, it. Sprained ankle. I would do it as well. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're in. It's the uh, 9 a.m. flight, the 9.15 a.m. flight. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'll do it, Rolo. I think, you know, for you should come back for episode 300 as well. I mean, we're only 10 episodes away. So, you know, we'll probably still be in lockdown. So we should we should have another episode with you on. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll come back. Sweet. Sweet. Well, to our listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Dots Lines, more dots, more lines dot com. Leave a message. Uh, leave a question if you have one. Love to hear from you. And until next time, happy travels. Take care. Bon voyage. Hasta luego. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs>